0: hello and welcome to the query show a podcast to help writers get published i'm blair thornberg your host slash editor slash query critiquer and thanks for tuning in or uh whatever we say now that nobody uses radios anymore this is episode two, and today we'll be looking at two YA queries. Obviously, I love YA due to like writing and editing it and everything, and these two letters felt like they made a nice pair. So for all you YA writers out there, this one's for you, and for everyone else, too. We definitely welcome all sorts. So let's get started. Okay, so this query comes from Kelly. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for sending in your query and being brave. We are going to have a great time. So I'm going to read the query first in its entirety, and then I'm going to go paragraph by paragraph to discuss what's in the query. Dear Agent, 16-year-old Christine Whitmire thought understanding languages and communicating with animals were indications of something mysterious about her heritage, not the multiracial piece that outwardly sets her apart from the schoolmates in her small community, but something less obvious, although equally disruptive. When Christine discovers a timeline-altering paintbrush has been stolen and she can use her abilities to find it, along with the help of her friend Oliver's command to control it, she'll not only discover her ancestral legacy, she might very well save the world. That is, if she can navigate secret societies, maneuver family feuds, manage to stay alive long enough to stave off literal monsters and figure out if the people around her, from why is he suddenly so hot Oliver to her sword-wielding aunt, proved to be a bigger help than hindrance. Disparate Soul is a 70,000-word YA low-fantasy standalone with series potential which will appeal to readers of Shadow Shapers and City of Bones. I've included the first 10 pages for your review. The story draws on my own voice's family biracial experiences. I am the author of Altered, a new adult romance published in 2016 by Penner Publishing and several short stories, three of which have been published in anthologies. Thank you for your consideration. Best regards, author name. Okay, so let's start at the beginning and look at the first paragraph. 16-year-old Christine Whitmire thought understanding languages and communicating with animals were indications of something mysterious about her heritage not the multiracial piece that outwardly sets her apart from the schoolmates in her small suburban community, but something less obvious, although equally disruptive. So I'm going to put a break here, although the writer has this all as one paragraph, just for the ease of discussion. Uh, This opener does a great job of hitting one of the key rhythms of querying. It introduces the protagonist, including her age, which is very important for YA and kids. It introduces what she thinks, and it introduces why that thing she thinks might not be true after all. The beginnings of a character arc, which is nicely done. Uh, where the opening stumbles is just its length. It's hard to keep track of this sentence. I had to read it a couple times to record it without screwing up. Even though queries aren't usually something you read aloud, only in the magical world that is this podcast, it does provide a good exercise here. There are a few verb phrases like were indications of and outwardly sets her apart that can be condensed into one or two word equivalents. Moreover, the author can also just break these into individual sentences or even sentence fragments to give the reader some natural pausing places. The other issue is that on the first read-through, it's not entirely clear what not the multiracial piece, but something less obvious is referring to. The word choice of piece is a bit vague, which doesn't help and something likewise doesn't really help specify what we're talking about. So here's my suggestion for a possible rewrite. Sixteen-year-old Christine Whitmire thought communicating with animals was what made her heritage mysterious, not the fact that, unlike her schoolmates, she's multiracial in a small suburban community. But while it isn't as outwardly obvious, the power proves equally disruptive. Of course, this is just a suggestion, and I've done my best to preserve the writer's intentions of angle of approach here, to communicate a few facts. Christine is 16. She can talk to animals and communicate with them. She's multiracial in a town that's not particularly diverse, and this power she has is going to shake up her life. So the second paragraph begins. When Christine discovers a timeline-altering paintbrush has been stolen and she can use her abilities to find it, along with the help of her friend Oliver's command to control it. So I just want to say, first off, how cool is the idea of a timeline-altering paintbrush? I am super intrigued. That's not something I think I've seen before. And in YA fantasy, you definitely want stuff that's original because the market is really tight and being original is just a plus. The big issue here in the rest of this paragraph is the same as in the first paragraph. The sentences are long and it's hard to take in all the information. Actually looking at it, I think it's just one long sentence, including a parenthetical an ellipsis and an M dash phrase. It's not very easy to read out loud, and it's tough to take in on the page, too. The information presented is all good, useful, and sets up the elements of the plot. It just needs to get broken down with more pauses so that the reader can make sense of it all. So my first suggestion is to leave Oliver out of the first part of the sentence, the part I just read. The parenthetical feels a little awkward, and Oliver comes up later anyway, so it'd be safe to admit him here. You don't have a ton of space in a query and a lot of things only get a passing mention, which is totally okay. I mean, it's literally like three or four paragraphs. So the next chunk, she'll not only discover her ancestral legacy, she might very well save the world. This also suffers from a bit of vagueness. What is her ancestral legacy and what does this mean she might save the world? More to the point, what choices does Christine make to uncover this information? We wanna see our protagonist being active in the narrative of her own life. For the same reason, the might very well save the world feels too passive to me. There's no sense of urgency. Like how does this pain brush endanger the world and how is Christine planning to stop it? What does it mean that she might very well save the world? Okay, let's look at the next phrase. That is, if she can navigate secret societies, maneuver family feuds, manage to stay alive long enough to stave off literal monsters, and figure out if the people around her... I love this list of plot elements because they all sound super fun. There is tons of intrigue going on here. However, when they're all listed like this, without any indication of cause and effect and what the individual players are doing... It's hard for me to know what any of these one issues have to do with the main problem. What do the secret society and her family have to do with the paintbrush and the timeline altering it does? Where are the monsters coming from? Do they have a leader or are they just like evil beasties out to get her? Relatedly, and you know I'm going to bring this up because I love to, what are the stakes? What does Christine stand to lose personally if she doesn't succeed here? We get the sense that the world will end, which is totally no good, (laughs) I get it, but what about her, our protagonist? I'm thinking her inner arc might have something to do with Oliver, since he's suddenly attractive. Or the family feuds, for sure, because that's inherently personal. But I'm just guessing. No matter what, I want to know what personal character-level issues are working within her even as she's fighting to save the world. Saving the world is important, but it's not really personal, because the world contains everything. So I want to know what this has to do with Christine as a person. Now the last little bit. From why is he suddenly so hot Oliver to her sword-wielding aunt proved to be a bigger help than hindrance. Well, you definitely had me at sword-wielding aunt because the world needs more sword-wielding aunts. I am a Joe, And so I want that character to get more than just an aside in this query. What does her aunt do or not do that means she's helpful or not? I don't feel like I have a good sense of the world here or of like how her aunt might be her ally. Is the fight to save a world a family affair? And like, what does helping or hindering mean in this case? Overall, the meat of the summary could use both a little breaking up into shorter sentences and a little expanding, and you can do both. Uh, This query isn't too long yet by any means. So I suggest the writer look for ways to get more specific about plot and stakes here, and then try to weave them together as it relates to Christine's arc. Okay, and now for the summary bits at the end of the query. Disparate Soul is a 70,000-word YA low-fantasy standalone with series potential, which will appeal to readers of Shadow Shapers and City of Bones. I've included the first 10 pages for your review. Boom. Word count, genre, comp titles that seem spot on. It's great stuff. I know a lot of writers of fantasy have plans for a series, which is great. This author handles it beautifully by mentioning series potential. They don't say, I've written 10 books and I must publish them all. They just mention that if the stars align and a publisher is interested, that this storyline is one that can go on to multiple volumes, which is exactly the way you want to do it. The next part reads, the story draws on my own voice's family biracial experiences. I am the author of Altered, a new adult romance published in 2016 by Penner Publishing and several short stories, three of which have been published in anthologies. Again, this is just a nicely done paragraph. The author mentions that they're writing own voices, meaning that they share the background of their main character. Agents will want to know this when they get a query featuring a character from a traditionally marginalized background, so definitely include it when it applies to you. Uh, The list of publication credits is great, too. It's okay not to mention every journal or anthology by name. In fact, I think it keeps it a little nicer and more concise. And then the sign-off. Thank you for your consideration. Best regards, author name. Perfect. Take a bow. Cut. Print. That is a really good ending to the query. It's done professionally and gives just the information that's needed to make this author seem like they know what they're doing, which they do. Kelly, thank you for sending this query and uh, definitely let me know where I can get one of those paintbrushes. Okay, our next query is another wife fantasy from Tyler. Um, thank you, Tyler, for sending this in. Uh, again, I'll just read the whole query and then take it paragraph by paragraph. Dear Agent, After the death of her mother, 17-year-old witch Sophie Lagrange wants nothing to do with magic. She certainly doesn't want anything to do with the oath her mother and grandmother took as protectors to keep the peace between magical and non-magical forces in Pengrove and to safeguard the town. Surely her mother would approve. She never wanted Sophie to become a protector. Unfortunately, magic claws at Sophie in a similar way it does when it rears its head in Pengrove. Stories of dark spirits that feed on humans spread like wildfire in Pengrove. Sophie wants to write them off as bedtime stories for children, but after one of her friends is killed and another injured, she can no longer pretend. When Claire, keeper of the town's magic shop, offers to train her as a protector, Sophie feels she must accept. But Claire is keeping dangerous secrets. People are going missing, and in order to confront Claire about what she's hiding and save the town, Sophie needs to untangle why her mother wanted to keep her as far from the protectors as possible. Of course, doing so will mean staking her own life. The Secrets of Pengrove is a young adult contemporary fantasy completed at 64,000 words and would appeal to fans of The Hollow Girl by Hilary Monaghan and The Walls Around Us by Nova Ren Suma. It contains own voices representations of bisexuality and anxiety. Thank you for your consideration. This has another great, straightforward, but still pretty punchy first line. The sentence packs in a lot. We learn about the recent past, the death of Sophie's mom, how old she is, always a plus, Uh, the fact that Sophie's a witch, and what she wants or doesn't want, which in this case is magic. This gives us emotional context, a little bit about who the protagonist is, and the desire that will carry her, we hope, into some juicy conflict. I think that after X happened, Y happened is a great structure for query writers to keep in their back pockets. It's a concise way of showing cause and effect, aka plot, so it's great to use. The second and third sentences are strong, too, in that they elaborate on the character's desire with the specific thing that she wants to avoid, i.e. this oath. I would suggest, though, omitting the and to safeguard the town at the end of the second sentence just because it's running long and, to me, keep the peace implies a kind of safeguarding. If the first action involved in the oath was way different and in contrast to safeguarding, that last phrase would be more necessary, but as is, it can go to say something more like, she certainly doesn't want anything to do with the oath her mother and grandmother took as protectors to keep the peace between magical and non-magical forces in Pengrove, period. I think that's plenty. The only big phraseological which Spellcheck thinks is a word, so sure, stumble is magic claws at Sophie in a similar way it does. I'm still not quite sure what this means, and I also wonder, semi-relatedly, if having both claws and rears its head in the same sentence verges on a mixed metaphor. Uh, My conclusion is not technically, but it's maybe worth a second look. What the author seems to be getting at here is that magic is here for sure, and it's causing trouble for Sophie. And from the easily understandable buildup of the rest of the paragraph, I'm still pretty much fine intuiting what's going on here, but the phrasing could still use a little streamlining. So in the second paragraph, interestingly, we have another of these after X, then Y phrases. Uh, After one of her friends is killed and another injured, she can no longer pretend. This makes me wonder what the inciting incident of the story is. Uh, The inciting incident, for those that don't know that expression, is the big thing that happens in the beginning of the narrative. It's the first event on page that kicks things into motion. So in this case, I wonder, where does the narrative start? Does the book open with Sophie's mother's death Or is the information we learned in the first paragraph of the query about her mother's death and the history of the family's protectors more backstory than action? If the facts in that first paragraph don't actually happen live in the book and all took place before the story proper begins, or even if they're dealt with quickly in a prologue or early chapter, then it might make sense to reverse the order of information here. Make this paragraph, with the death and injuries of the friends, the first paragraph, and within it weave in the backstory about Sophie's motivation to avoid magic because of her mother's death. That said, the phrase, when Claire, keeper of the town's magic shop, offers to train her as a protector, also makes me wonder if perhaps Claire's offer is in fact the inciting incident. Again, I'm a huge fan of after and when phrases and queries, and they're very well used here, But having multiple wins or afters can make it hard to tell which event is the big event. The next lines about Sophie investigating Claire's secrets are pretty strong overall. There's an implicit connection between the fact that Claire has secrets and the people are going missing, so that gives Sophie a logical motivation. However, I do wonder how Sophie knows that Claire has secrets. Are these rumors in the town, or does she just spot Claire doing something shady? That could maybe be a little more clear. The last sentence, of course, doing so will mean staking her own life, could use a bit more polish too. I'm not sure that of course is the right way to introduce it. The writer could try something like, even if doing so means risking her life for a bit more urgency and direness, (laughs) is that a word? (laughs) Spellcheck thinks so. Uh, The last paragraph is a great summary paragraphs. Um, The author could definitely include more of their own writing history and biography if they want to but uh, the own voices mention about representations of bisexuality and anxiety does tell us something about them, so that's great. As for the comp titles, like, yay, comp titles! (laughs) These strike me as good titles that promise, like, vivid, evocative, dark language, and that helps me, as the reader of this query, situate what this book might sound like, even if I haven't read the sample pages yet. So, overall, a really great job, uh, an intriguing-sounding contemporary fantasy, uh, and one that, honestly, I'd love to read because I like those comp titles a lot. And that's the show. Uh, Again, thanks so much for listening. I hope if you are writing YA fantasy that this has been a useful show for you. Uh, It's certainly been a joy to produce here in the coziness of my office. Um, Thank you again to Tyler and Kelly for being brave and sending in your queries. Uh, May you receive many requests and the offers of your dreams for these great books. Um, If you like this podcast, I really hope you will tell your writer friends or even your non-writer friends, and uh, maybe even give the show a rating on iTunes, which will just help even more people find it. If you would like your query to be featured on the Query Show, I welcome you. Uh, Literally can't do the show without queries, so um, as you've seen... I'm trying to be very nice. I really just want to help people make their queries as strong as possible. So you can head to thequeryshow.com and fill out the submission form. Uh, And on the website, you can also see more episodes, a place to join the mailing list and get a free query workbook, which is super cool. And speaking of getting cool free stuff, uh, you should check out the Query Show Patreon and become a patron. Patrons get stuff like written copies of the critiques to download and study with my notes, plus bonus episodes and FAQs deep dives on publishing stuff, uh, first pages, critiques, agent interviews, and tons of other cool things. I have like way too many plans for bonuses. Um, so definitely check it out. Patrons are what make this weird little desktop venture possible. With that said, I think I'm going to go get a snack and a delicious LaCroix. So I have been your once in future host, Blair Thornburg, and I will see you next time.